0: For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com.
1: It's Christmas and New Year's Eve is approaching, so it's time for the traditional Christmas episode of Luke's English Podcast, the last episode for 2018. In this one, I'm going to read some Christmas stories and a couple of poems which are a bit different to the normal stuff that you get at this time of year. Also, keep listening for a funny appearance by the Beatles as well. This episode of Luke's English Podcast is sponsored today by Spoken. With Spoken, it's like having an English teacher in your pocket. Basically, they offer learning plans that involve doing different tasks on your phone, using messaging apps like WeChat, Line, uh, WhatsApp, Facebook Messenger, Viber, and other uh, messaging platforms like that. Basically, you chat with an English stru- you chat with an English instructor from Spoken, and they send you different tasks which are adapted to your needs. The offer from Spoken to you, my listeners, is this: so they're offering you a free one-hour one-to-one lesson um, with a free assessment of your English skills, then twenty percent off the first month of any learning plan that you choose. So you can take the, you could just take the one hour lesson and then it's up to you if you choose to go with the learning plan. So there there are no strings attached. Uh, to get that offer, go to getspoken.com slash LEP or click a spoken logo on my website. <laughs> You're listening to Luke's English Podcast. For more information, visit teacherluke.co.uk. Hello, hello, hello. How are you doing? Now, some of you might be thinking, Luke, I know it's Christmas and it's a time of giving, but why are you uploading so many episodes at the moment? We can't keep up. That's what some of you might be thinking. Well, the Christmas holiday is about to start and then I'll be quiet for a few weeks. Um, so I'm giving you quite a lot of stuff now for you to listen to while I'm away. And that includes this episode in which I would like to wish you a very Merry Christmas, if you celebrate it, and a Happy New Year too, and then ramble to you a little bit and then tell you one or two Christmas-themed stories, read a couple of Christmassy poems And then there will be an appearance by the Beatles as well, as you'll hear later on. First of all, though, a bit of a ramble, which hopefully won't be too long. Okay, so I've uploaded a lot recently. There's been new free podcast episodes, the the Collins Words of the Year series, uh, new phrasal verb episodes and also new premium episodes. It's quite a lot of stuff, I know, which might be difficult to keep up with. But as I've said, I won't be uploading for a few weeks, so it should be enough time for everyone to catch up. So while I'm away on holiday, there's quite a lot of stuff for you all to listen to. Just yesterday, I uploaded another series, three parts, uh, another series of premium episodes for December. And that series is all about language from the Alan Partridge episodes I did in October. Uh, They were popular episodes and they were full of really nice language. I mean like descriptive vocabulary and noun phrases and adjective phrases that I used to talk about Alan and also various other expressions, phrases and bits of grammar that came up in the clips that we listened to. So I devoted a couple of premium episodes to that and uploaded them yesterday and also the usual memory tests and pronunciation drills Uh, PDF worksheets as well are available for all of the premium episodes. There are also new phrasal verb episodes in the premium package now too, and more arriving on a regular basis. You're welcome. If you want to become a premium Lepster, go right ahead. Be my guest. Uh, You'll get access to all of the premium content in the ever-growing library, including those Alan Partridge language analysis episodes that I uploaded yesterday and all the other stuff that I've ever all the other uh things in the premium library you'll get access to all of it all of the old stuff and the stuff that will be published in the future um that's what you get if you become a premium lepster teacherluke.co.uk slash premium to get started and you'll be supporting the podcast as well with a small monthly contribution about the price of a coffee or a beer every month and you know. I tell you what, I am super duper chuffed, which means I'm very pleased to finally be making premium episodes and having this project alongside the normal episodes of the podcast. I hope that uh, those of you out there who are already premium Lepsters, I hope that you're getting into the work that I've been doing. I work quite a lot on those premium episodes. I really sort of get my head down and do lots of work on it. So I hope you've been appreciating and enjoying and getting into that work and and getting stuff out of it. Thank you for your support for the podcast too. You're making it possible for me to spend more time on this and that's going to help me to improve and develop what I'm doing. Uh, It's been a pretty good year for Luke's English Podcast. What about you? How's your year been? Um, For the podcast, it's been a pretty good year with lots of episodes about different things. I hope that you've enjoyed them all. And found them useful for your English. The year started with the birth of our daughter, and I talked about it uh, with my wife in episode um, episode five hundred and two. That's about sixty five episodes ago. Can you believe it? I've done sixty five episodes of the podcast this year, plus all the premium ones. It's been quite a productive year. So, episode five hundred and two—that's when you first heard my wife my wife's voice on the podcast. We talked about. Uh, the birth of our daughter. Um, That was quite a popular episode. Sometimes during the year, I think that you heard the voice of my daughter in episodes as well, sometimes, like little noises and sounds uh, that she was making when I was recording stuff while she was in the flat with me. That may happen more and more as she grows up. She's not really speaking yet. Uh, She's not really saying words, although she is walking. She's making more and more complex noises though. Not exactly speaking, but just kind of making sounds with different bits of intonation and stuff. Sometimes things that sound like questions or things that sound like she's going, "Yay!" You know, she kind of her range of expression is is expanding all the time, like every day. Sometimes she makes a new sound that I haven't heard before and it's kind of, "Wow, that's amazing." Um, she started doing this thing, right, where she she uh, lifts objects to her ear and she kind of goes, hello? Now, she obviously doesn't say hello. She kind of goes, Ede? Like, Ede? like that. She makes a sound that sounds like, hello? As if she's speaking on the telephone. She does it with her bottle. So, she does this thing in the evening. I'll give her her bottle. She'll finish it. She's holding it in her hands. She'll finish it. I give her the top and she kind of puts the top on the bottle and she gets all pleased because she's finished and she's put the top on and then she holds the bottle for a while and then the other day she she lifted the bottle to her ear and she went like that now I mean maybe that was just a random noise but it looked to me like she was putting it to her ear like it's a telephone and apparently at daycare she does go around with a little plastic telephone and she holds it to her ear and walks around as if she's on the telephone it's really funny because I've no idea where she got that from because at home we usually use our headphones when we're on the phone. So I, maybe she's seen someone at, at the daycare center like holding a phone to their head and so she's kind of copying them. So she does that with a bottle and we started doing this stupid thing like, like um, just this week. She she So she finishes the bottle, holds it to her ear and go, kind of goes like that and then and then I take the bottle, uh, if she lets me have it, because sometimes she will hold on. But I'll take the bottle, and then I pretend to answer the phone too. I'm like, hello? Yeah. I pretend to have a conversation. Yeah. Uh-huh. Oh, yeah. Yeah, she's just here. Uh-huh. Yeah, do you want to speak to her? And then I look at my daughter, and I give her the bottle. And I say, it's for you. And I give her the bottle. And she takes it, and she puts it to her ear again, and goes, a bit. Like <laughs> it's just... I don't know, you'd probably like that's not impressive, Luke. For me that's that's impressive. That's the kind of stuff that impresses you when you when you're a new parent. Um she also understands various things that my wife and I say to her in both languages. She's she's also very fond of pointing at things and kind of going, uh like what's that? So sometimes I'll just be carrying her and she'll just be pointing at everything. She'll like she'll wake up from a nap. She'll waking up, she might be crying a bit. And then I pick her up and sort of carry her around, and she kind of wakes up a bit. And then suddenly she's like, uh, ad-uh. like, what's that? And I'm like, that's a door. Uh, and what's that? That's a window. Uh, and that's the door. I just I already told you what that was. And she's just like turning left and right and pointing at things. Uh, like that. Fascinating, isn't it? I don't know what you think of that, but anyway, Um, I think as she speaks more, I'm sure I'll record her sometime so that you can hear her learning to speak over the next few years. I'm looking forward to that. Um, Talking of learning to speak and learning English, I just want to give a shout out to my students at the British Council. Some of them listen to this podcast. So, hello, students from the British Council, my, my students in my classes on... Tuesdays and Thursdays and Saturdays. Uh, hello to my students. Uh, some of them listen to, to my podcast. I teach four groups of students at the British Council at the moment across different levels. They're all adult learners of English and we've had some great classes over the last year. So hello if you're listening. I want to share a video actually with all of you, not just the British Council people, but everyone. I want to share a video that some of my students were involved in So at the British Council in Paris, we offer a social programme, which is called English Extra, which involves things like social events, drinks, talks by teachers and guests. Uh, I did a talk about British humour, if you remember. And also uh, weekend trips to London on the Eurostar. The idea is that it gives our students more opportunities to socialise in English and get more talking time in English, basically. Also, it's just a lot of fun. And we have some really outgoing, funny and social people in our adult classes at the moment, including in my classes, which is great because it means, you know, when you've got like, you know, sociable, uh, interesting people in your classes, it means that we have a lot of fun while also learning English. So some of them went to London recently and as part of the trip, they made a little video for YouTube and it's called How Much Do Londoners Know About France? Okay, So the students went around in London interviewing British people in the street, asking, asking them various questions about France. And the results are pretty embarrassing from a British person's point of view, I must say. I mean, you've seen videos like that. Normally they involve Americans, right? Normally it's people going around interviewing Americans and asking them about geography, And they don't know, like they've got no idea where Australia is or what Africa is and stuff. And it's like, aren't the Americans stupid? I'm not, you know, they're not all stupid, but I don't know. It seems that when you ask people questions in the street, they just are incapable of answering. I don't know what it is about being in the street that it's like, you know, can you tell me your name? I'm sorry. I don't know. I'm in the street. I just, uh, I can't think I'm in the street. Anyway. So the results of this video are also pretty embarrassing because it turns out that uh, the average Londoner doesn't seem to know that much about their nearest continental neighbours, France. To be honest, I wonder if the same thing would be true about the French. You know, I wonder if, if you went round and asked the average French person on the streets of Paris various questions about England, they probably wouldn't know either because they're in the street. Because if you ask anyone... A question in the street, they, they're incapable of answering. Even if it's like, what's one plus one? Uh, oh, I don't know. Um, uh, Amsterdam? Uh, just something about being in the street. Anyway, so to be honest, I wonder if the same would be true about the French. And I think it probably would be. Anyway, the video is pretty funny and I want to share what my students did, so check it out. You'll see the full video on the page for this episode. I also shared it on social media today, so check out that video. It's called How Much Do Londoners Know About France? Um, right, so how about you then? How's it going? This is a Christmas episode, uh, but what about you? Do you celebrate Christmas where, wherever you are? Do, is Christmas a thing? Obviously, you might not celebrate it. It might not be a, a thing in your life, wherever you are so i don't know um do you have any plans what are you doing for christmas is this something that you celebrate in your country and do you have any plans i imagine that new year is probably the bigger thing around the world not everyone in the world does christmas obviously but i think new year's eve is more of an event around the world Uh, what are you doing this year luke what are your plans don't don't talk about it for too long but just tell us. Okay, so this year we're going to spend some time with my wife's family first in France on the 24th and 25th. That's Christmas Eve and Christmas Day, doing Christmas the French way, which involves things like champagne, of course, drinking champagne. Although at the moment, I'm actually off the booze. You heard me say that to Amber on the podcast recently. I've stopped drinking alcohol at the moment, um, which might... I might have to make an exception for Christmas. I don't know. But it's. I'm feeling pretty good cutting out alcohol. I managed to do it. I've And it's been, oh, I don't know how long, six weeks more that I haven't had any booze. And I feel good. I feel s- slimmer. I've lost weight. I feel a bit more clear-headed. My memory is better. I mean, I didn't used to drink that much. I wasn't like a crazy binge-drinking football hooligan or anything but i used to drink sometimes and sometimes if i'd had a couple of glasses of wine or a couple of beers i would wake up in the morning kind of like oh what who's the president what year is it you know and um or just a lingering feeling of like ah oh, trying to catch up you know but since i stopped drinking alcohol i feel a bit more sharp and just a bit more healthy so anyway i'm going to see if i can keep that up but anyway so um on Boxing day which is now also our daughter's birthday. That's the 26th of December. Yeah, she was born on the 26th of of December, the poor girl. It's no fun to have your birthday at Christmas. It really isn't, especially like the day after Christmas when everyone's like, I don't want to celebrate anything anymore. It's your birthday, Ah, who cares? It's Jesus's birthday, not your birthday. Um, So the poor girl has to celebrate her birthday at Christmas, but we're going to make a a big day of it now. So it's not just Boxing Day anymore; it's her birthday. So on Boxing Day, we're going to go to the UK to spend about a week at my parents' uh, house, which will be great. My mum and dad are looking forward to seeing us, but mainly they—I think they mainly want to see their granddaughter. They're like, "We don't care about you anymore." just let her see her granddaughter partially true partially um it's cool though she seems to get a boost when she sees them it's funny she loves music and she'll dance and clap her hands when you play music to her and my dad plays the guitar so he kind of gets the guitar out and he plays songs to her it's amazing actually i don't know how he remembers all these songs he's like these are old songs from when he was in the scouts like songs that he used to sing with his friends around the campfire and he just gets the guitar out. It's been decades, and he just remembers them all. I don't know how he does it. So um, I'm currently educating our daughter in the ways of the Beatles, playing Beatle music to her every day. Hopefully, that's going to help somehow. I don't know. It might backfire. Maybe she'll just end up completely sick of it, and she'll, you know, she'll grow up hating the Beatles because I played it the, their music to her so much. I don't know. Hopefully, she'll grow to like their music like I do, and my parents do. We're going to keep it in the family, you know. So I'll be on holiday from the moment that I publish this episode, that's when my holiday officially begins, until sometime in early 2019, okay? Now, I'm not sure when the podcast will be back exactly, but you've got plenty of content to keep you busy in the meantime, right? Although I understand that if you're listening to this, you might already have heard all the other stuff, but since there's been so much, it may be worth going back and revisiting and listening more carefully. Um, If you fancy listening to me more carefully, it's up to you, isn't it? Uh, All the recent episodes and the premium content, right? So by the way, in those premium episodes, it's not just all serious and boring language work. I I, I still like to have a laugh there too, Um, it's just that there's more of a focus on teaching you language and helping you to practice your pronunciation. All right, then. So that's enough rambling at the beginning. Um, let me talk to you about these sort of alternative Christmas stories. That's the title of this episode, I think. Alternative Christmas stories, poems, jokes. There may be a joke or two in there and the Beatles. All right. So, so I was, while I was preparing for this episode, Um, I was scouring the internet, like searching intently uh, around the internet for good stuff relating to Christmas. Because every year I do some sort of Christmas episode. A few years ago, I, I read out A Christmas Carol by Charles Dickens which is a great christmas story. I wanted to do something like that. I wanted to read a story to you. So I was scouring the internet for good stuff relating to christmas, like stories mainly. I wanted to read a good christmas story or a couple of short stories or something. And honestly, I haven't found much. I haven't really found much that's good that I could read out. Most of the stuff I found is quite cheesy and crap to be honest. So it's been a bit difficult to find the right things. But I kept searching. And ultimately, I did find some things which I thought were worth sharing with you. So this year, after searching and thinking, I've come up with, well, one funny little story, some slightly odd poems with a Christmas theme, and also a funny funny Christmas tradition from somewhere in Europe, and also the Beatles. Now, as I said, most of the stories with a Christmas theme that I found online uh, were quite cheesy and cliched and that's a bit dull you know the cliches of Christmas you know just all the same sort of stuff like Santa and snow and uh all that kind of thing and obviously all the you know the the uh more respectable and traditional Christian themes and religious themes and stuff um but um I, I I did find several stories which are a bit different, or maybe you could say alternative. And by that I mean that they take a different look at Christmas time. Normally you imagine Christmas it all has to be rosy and cozy and lovely and warm and pleasant and warm and fuzzy feelings, right? This is what we normally associate with Christmas, which is great because that's Christmas time, isn't it? That's the spirit of Christmas. But these stories and poems that I've found are quite weird and a bit dark too in some places. But I've decided that's okay because I'd rather have some weirdness and some funniness than the usual Christmas stuff about sleigh bells, reindeers, and all those other cliched tropes of Christmas. not that there's anything wrong with that. I do love the coziness of Christmas when you're indoors with your family, as long as you're not trying to kill each other. Uh, eating nice food, probably prepared by someone else, possibly. Probably your mum, or my mum in this case. Thanks, mum, if you're listening. And generally, having a lovely and jolly time. There's nothing wrong with that. That's what Crimbo is all about. But I'm sure that you're getting plenty of that stuff ev- everywhere else, right? Like in shops, in bars, on TV, on the radio, online. I mean, you're being already inundated with all the lovely, nice, fuzzy, Christmassy stuff. I mean, I don't know where you are, but certainly in the UK, you start to get inundated with the usual Christmas stuff. From as early as November these days, and it starts to become a bit annoying after a while. I have to say, for example, the Christmas songs that you hear everywhere—you might just wander into a supermarket or a shop or a or a bar or something—and it's just Christmas music, and it's just like, "Well, the weather outside is and the a... boo let it snow, let it snow, let it snow," and outside it's 16 degrees and raining. And then you know it's like Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer had a very shiny nose. Like I know, I know, I know he did. That if you heard that song, Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer had a very shiny nose, right? Which is like one of the classic songs from Christmas time. I was listening to that the other day, and I realised. The the other reindeer. So basically, in this story, Rudolph was a was one of the reindeer. The reindeer are those animals. They're kind of like large deer that Father Christmas um, uses uh, to to pull his sleigh. His sleigh is like the kind of vehicle that he rides um, along the through the snow, and it's magic. Of course, he flies through the air in it, doesn't he? On it, in it, on it, and the sleigh is full of Christmas presents. And so there's reindeer in the front. And the song is like Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer. And he's like Santa's favourite reindeer. The story goes that he had a very shiny nose. So Rudolph's got a red shiny nose. And in the story it goes, Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer had a very shiny nose. All of the other reindeer. What is it? All the other reindeer used to laugh and call him names. What bastards they were. Those other, I just realised the other day, it's like those other reindeer, they're right Right bastards aren't they? <laughs> just a bunch of bullies. Anyway, that's just what I thought. Then other songs like you get things like all the typical Christmas uh, pop songs. Like uh, I heard the other day driving home for Christmas by um by Chris Rea. You know the British musician Chris Rea. Alan Partridge is a fan of Chris Chris Rea. Um let's let's have a little sample of Driving Home for Christmas. This might end up being a long episode at this rate. Anyway, driving home for Christmas here we go oh yes you know it's Christmas when you start to hear this song played in some shop somewhere or on the radio it's all about Chris Rear driving home for Christmas driving home to see his family I don't know where he lives but he obviously lives far away from his family and every year he starts to make this journey now i sometimes hear this song in like november early november i'm like is is chris Rea already driving home for christmas <laughs> how far away does he live from his hometown he has to start the he has to start driving in early november like flipping heck can't he like take a train or just a plane or something i mean learn your lesson from last year chris just uh yeah helicopter i don't know Oh, I can't
0: wait to see those faces I'm driving home
1: for Christmas yeah well I'm moving down that line okay it's a classic driving home for Christmas I can't wait to see those faces and um yeah so there's that all right so that's the usual typical stuff that you get but you know, there's nothing wrong with all that stuff, but it is everywhere all the time, okay? So instead of that kind of stuff, here are some alternative takes on Christmas time. Some funnyish ish stuff, some weird stuff, some slightly disgusting stuff, some slightly dark stuff. And then the Beatles as as well, as you'll hear later. Uh, let's, oh, well, this could be a long one. Doesn't matter, though, does it? It's Christmas. It's a time for giving. So let's start with a funny little story that I found on a website called funnyjokes.com. Okay. Uh, and the story is called The Missing Five Pound Note. All right. You can, see the, uh, you can see the text for this story on the page for this episode. And you can find other funny jokes and stories by going to funny-jokes.com. Uh, okay. So you could read along with me if you like. So here it is, The, the Missing Five Pound Note. Um, okay. So here it goes. Chippenham George, that's the name of the character, I don't know why he's called Chippenham George, but he is. Chippenham George worked for the post office, and his job was to process all the mail that had illegible addresses. Illegible means it's impossible to read it. Like if handwriting, you know, when people write by hand, sometimes people's handwriting is illegible, isn't it? So Chippenham George worked for the post office, and his job was to process all the mail that had illegible addresses. All right. One day just before Christmas, a letter landed on his desk, simply addressed in shaky handwriting to God with no other clue on the envelope. George opened the letter and he read this. This, is, this was what the letter said, written to God. And it said, Dear God, I am a, I am a 93-year-old widow. Living on the state pension. Yesterday someone stole my purse. It had a hundred pounds in it, which was all the money I had in the world, and no pension due until after Christmas. Next week is Christmas, and I had invited two of my friends over for Christmas lunch. But without that money, I have nothing to buy food with. I have no family to turn to, and you are my only hope. God, can you please help me? Now, Chippenham George was really touched. He was like, oh, this poor woman. And being a kind-hearted person, he put a copy of the letter up on the staff notice board at the uh, main sorting office where he worked. The letter touched the other postmen and postwomen as they all dug into their pockets and had a whip round if you have a whip round, ladies and gents, that's when you all contribute a little bit of money in order to like buy a gift for someone or something like that. It's Like, it's Dave's birthday. We're having a whip round. OK, so the letter touched all the other, the postmen, and they all dug into their pockets and they had a whip round. And between them, they raised £95. OK, £95 is what they raised. Remember that uh, the, the old lady originally had £100, which, uh, what happened to it? uh someone stole her purse that contained 100 pounds so she lost it so the the staff managed to whip round uh and and collect 95 pounds and using an officially franked post office envelope they sent the cash on to the old lady And for the rest of the day, all the workers felt a warm glow, thinking of the nice thing that they'd done. They're like, we did a really nice thing, didn't we, getting that money to that old woman? I think we should feel very pleased with ourselves for doing a very good thing. Merry Christmas, everyone. Christmas came and went. A few days later, another letter, simply addressed to God, landed in the sorting office. Many of the postmen gathered around while George opened the letter. And this is what it read. Dear God, dear God, how can I ever thank you enough for what you did to me? Because of your generosity, I was able to provide a lovely luncheon for my friends. We had a very nice day and I told my friends of your wonderful gift. In fact, we still haven't got over it. And even Father John, our parish priest, is beside himself with joy. By the way, there was £5 pounds missing. I think it must have been those thieving fellows at the post office. Ha, ha, ha. George could not help musing on Oscar Wilde's quote, a good deed never goes unpunished. Did you get it, ladies and gentlemen? I know some of you are like, what, what, what? I miss, Did I miss something? Yeah, you did. So, in a nutshell... I mean, most of you got it, right? But for that one person who's like, oh, wait a minute, I missed something. So, all right, I'll tell you the story in a nutshell, right? Here's what happened, okay? Here's the basic version in a nutshell. So, there's an old woman, right? There's this old lady, yeah? No, there's this geezer, right, called Chippenham George. Don't know why he's called Chippenham George, but doesn't matter. And he works in the post office, okay? And it's his job to, like, deal with all the letters that, have illegible addresses. Like, you know, addresses written in handwriting you just can't read. So that's his job, is to deal with those things. One day, he gets a letter, and it's all it says on the front is, to God. And he's like, oh, all right, might as well have a look. So he opens it up, okay, and he pulls out the letter. And inside the letter, there's a woman from, like, in shaky handwriting from some... There's a woman? No, there's a letter. <laughs> what a strange flat woman made of paper. No, there's a, there was a letter in there, written by... Uh, an old woman in shaky handwriting and it said dear god something terrible happened to me i'm an old lady i'm 90 something 93 years old i'm an old lady and i don't have any family and i live on a state pension and the other day some uh, someone stole my uh my purse and it contained all the money i had in the world 100 pounds and since i've got no money and no state pension arriving until january i've got i there's nothing i can do i was planning to have some friends around i was going to make them a lovely lunch but i can't do it anymore is there anything you can do god please god please please uh dear dear god signed old lady and chippenham george was like oh this is a sad story maybe there's something we could do here at the post office so he, t- he went to everyone all right everyone have a look at this letter and he pinned it up on the notice board and everyone looked at it and they're all they all felt sort of very sympathetic so they all decided to have a whip round they're like right we're going to have a whip round for the old lady just put what you can in the bag and we're going to send it on to her all right so they got together some money they got together 95 pounds and they sent it on to the old lady and they spent the rest of the day feeling very pleased with themselves and warm and and fuzzy feelings and like oh we did a good thing Then uh, Christmas came and went, and in the new year, uh, Chippenham George got another letter from the same old lady addressed to God, and inside it said, Dear God, thank you so much for what you did. You really are brilliant. Uh, I managed to provide lunch for my friends, and even the local priest was absolutely delighted. Just fantastic. Oh, by the way, um, it was only £95, so there was £5 missing. I think it was the people who work at the post office. Those horrible thieves at the post office must have taken it. Mm. That's it. That's the story. It's the best I could find. Um, It's not a bad one, though, is it? It's not a bad one. So the the, uh, Oscar Wilde quote is quite appropriate here, which is this. A good deed never goes unpunished. Which is sort of an ironic thing to say, but it's sort of true, isn't it? That sometimes when you go out of your way to do something good, sometimes... You don't necessarily get a, a you know, it, you don't get um, something good in return every time. In fact, sometimes you kind of pay for it. It's weird. Ironic in life, isn't it? That you might go out of your way to do something good and, and you sort of pay for it. So a good deed never goes unpunished. Yeah, not exactly your normal Christmas message, is it? Uh, like, you know, don't be generous. It's just not worth it. Um, I don't know. But anyway, it's a funny little story. Um, now, poetry. Poetry. Oh, and you might be thinking, whoa, 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 poetry. That's not my cup of tea. I prefer violence. No, no. I don't know what what you're like, but um, uh, maybe you're more into computer games. Anyway, poetry. Some poetry is great. Now, I'm going to read three poems by modern authors. These are modern poems, and poems like these are good. They're written in plain English, so it's not all that kind of fancy, impenetrable language. It's just plain English. And they have a rhythm and a rhyme to them, okay? The rhythm is like the, the rhythm that you've got to use to read the poem. And the rhyme, obviously, is that some of the words at the end of each line rhyme with each other. And this is great for learning English. These sorts of poems in normal English with rhythm and rhyme are great. It's a good idea to practice saying them yourselves. See if you can get the rhythm right. See if you can notice which words rhyme with each other, Okay. So I've got three poems for you. Again, they are alternative poems. So they've got a slightly more, what, slightly darker, maybe more cynical uh, view of things. Okay. All right. So um, the first one is by Roald Dahl, everyone's favourite author. Uh, Roald Dahl, who's, you know, you know about Roald Dahl. I read one of his stories on the podcast this year. I read The Hitchhiker. Um Roald Dahl is amazing. Well, he was. He's unfortunately not with us anymore. Uh, but he wrote some really great stories for kids, but also a lot of stories for adults as well. He had a dark sense of humour. He was a bit sort of... Uh, he had some. He wrote some twisted things in his time. But that's what's fun about him, is he kind of... He took certain ideas and twisted them and kind of made them a bit uh, ironic and weird and a bit dark sometimes. So this is an alternative Christmas poem from Roald Dahl. And it goes like this. And it's, it's all about Mother Christmas. So you know Father Christmas, who everyone talks about and he's everywhere all the time and he gets, um, he gets all the, all the glory, doesn't he, Father Christmas? Well, this, uh, poem is about Mother Christmas and it goes like this. Mother Christmas, where art thou, Mother Christmas? I only wish I knew why Father should get all the praise and no one mentions you. I'll bet you buy the presents and wrap them large and small while all the time that rotten swine pretends he's done it all. So hail to Mother Christmas who shoulders all the work and down with Father Christmas that unmitigated jerk. All right. Just a simple little funny poem. So any language that we can get from that? Well, we've got uh, where art thou, Mother Christmas, which is kind of like sounds Shakespearean. So that is quite old-fashioned language, but it's done on purpose. Where art thou? Meaning, where are you? I only wish I knew why Father Christmas uh, should get all the praise and no one mentions you. I bet you buy the presents, meaning I'm certain that you buy the presents, or I'm sure, I'm pretty sure, and wrap them large and small. Obviously, wrap presents, W-R-A-P, when you cover the presents in paper. And all the time, that rotten swine... A swine is another word for a pig, and it's just a word that you use to... De- it's like a, a word to describe someone you don't like or someone who is mean. I don't think Father Christmas is mean, but that's the funny thing, you know. It's kind of like it's kind of funny that he's calling Father Christmas a rotten swine. All the time, that rotten swine pretends he's done it all. So in this version of events, Father Christmas is going around getting all of the glory, where it's actually Mother Christmas who does all the hard work, uh, which may be kind of true in some families. And he says, so hail to Mother Christmas. Hail is like when you sort of uh, worship someone. Hail to Mother Christmas who shoulders all the work. If you shoulder something, it's like you carry it all on your shoulder. And down with Father Christmas, like kind of going boo to Father Christmas, that unmitigated jerk. A jerk is like an idiot or a... Um uh, it's not really rude it's not a nice thing to say about someone if someone is a jerk it means they're a uh, like a uh, what's the what's a good word an unrude word for a jerk uh, an idiot a uh, contemptible person someone you don't like basically um okay jerks are usually selfish bastards basically okay so uh, if someone is unmitigated it means that they Well, mitigate. To mitigate something means to make it less. I mean, make it uh, less bad. Okay. So if someone is an unmitigated jerk, it means he's a total jerk, basically. All right. There you go. Let's move on to two more poems. Both of these are written by a poet called Roger McGough. Roger McGough. Um, Now, Roger McGough, let me just read you a little bit about him. So Roger McGough, by the way, is from Liverpool and was part of a poetry group there in the 60s called The Scaffold. The Scaffold is actually kind of quite a famous group of poets from Liverpool in the 1960s. But Roger McGough has written poem- poetry all the way through this period from the 60s, the 70s, the 80s, 90s, and he's still going. And um, so, yeah, Roger McGough was a member of The Scaffold Have you ever heard of the scaffold? Well, you might have done because they kind of fit into the Beatles story in a way. Um, Another member of the scaffold was Mike McCartney, Paul McCartney's brother. And so um, we used to read Roger McGough's poems when we were children. I remember I had a couple of books of Roger McGough's poems. And um, so he used to write a lot of funny little poems for kids. But some of his work is actually really good for adults. It's not too fancy or pretentious. It's written in plain English. And for me, it does exactly what poetry should do. It makes you feel something inside. Sometimes his poetry is a bit mysterious. Uh, Sometimes you need to read between the lines. I also like his brief style. And I like the fact that Roger McGough, yeah, sometimes less is more with him, as we'll see. So this is a poem called uh, Alternative Santa, a Christmas poem. And it's a kind of comment on Christmas today, what Christmas is like today in the world of Amazon and um, internet shopping. So uh, here is Alternative Santa by Roger McGough. And it goes like this. I'm fed up looking like Father Christmas muttered father christmas one year i need a new outfit i must move with the times so for a start it's goodbye reindeer he googled alternative santas and was amazed at the stuff that appeared he got rid of the holly red costume had a had a haircut and shaved off his beard spent his days in front of a computer in a cave hollowed out of the ice wearing a T-shirt emblazoned Merry Christmas and jeans, Amazon, Armani, half price. Couldn't wait to straddle his snowped, the bargain he'd bought on eBay. A rocket-powered silver toboggan, his supersonic sleigh. Then, one morning, he thought, ''Oh, why bother delivering presents by hand, when it could all be done online? Busy parents will understand.'' We're lucky to live in a digital age, where the aim is access and speed. Santa-net, I'll call the system. Santa-faction guaranteed. And that was years and years ago. Times that children barely know. Midnight mass and mistletoe, Christmas carols and candle glow. Sleigh bells ringing across the snow, and Santa singing yo-ho-ho. For that was years and years ago, and that was years and years ago. Hmm. So that poem originally appeared in the Telegraph newspaper on the 7th of December 2013. But what does it mean? Well, let's have a little look at it again. I'm fed up looking like Father Christmas, muttered Father Christmas one year. So basically, Father Christmas is saying, oh, I'm tired of looking like Father Christmas. He said, I need a new outfit. I must move with the times. So for a start, it's goodbye, reindeer. So Father Christmas has decided to modernise. And he's saying, well, first thing, goodbye, reindeer. So he's getting rid of the reindeer. He googled alternative Santas. Just like the idea of Father Christmas, googling something. And he was amazed at the stuff that appeared. He got rid of the holly red costume. Holly red, holly. Holly is um, a a kind of a tree, a bush and it's one of the symbols of Christmas, holly leaves are like green spiky leaves, and they have red berries. So the red berry is a kind of red, so holly red. He got rid of the holly red costume, had a haircut, and shaved off his beard. Spent his days in front of a computer, in a cave hollowed out of the ice, wearing a t-shirt emblazoned. If something is emblazoned, it means it's it's got something written across it in big letters. Wearing a t shirt emblazoned Merry Xmas, in fact. Sometimes people write Christmas with an X. Merry Xmas. And sort of Christians don't like that because it looks like you're crossing out the word Christ from Christmas. Wearing a t shirt emblazoned Merry Xmas and jeans, Amazon, Armani, half price. So Santa is kind of not Santa anymore. He's just a guy in like um, discount branded clothing on a computer. He couldn't wait to straddle his snowped. A snowped, I imagine this is some like a moped. Uh, a moped is like a little bike, you know, a little motorbike, isn't it? A snowped would be like a sort of moped, a uh, little motorbike for the snow, right? can't wait to straddle it. If you straddle something, it means you get one leg on one side and the other leg on the other side, like you straddle a horse. You sit in a saddle, but you straddle the horse, meaning you put your legs on both sides of it. In this case, Santa couldn't wait to straddle his snowped, the bargain he would bought on eBay. A bargain is something that you get for a really good price. A rocket-powered silver toboggan rocket-powered. Well, I think we know what that means. A silver toboggan. A toboggan is another word for a sled or sledge or a sleigh. Okay. Sledge, sled or sleigh. I'm writing these here. Sledge, sled or sleigh. All words to describe sort of things that slide along the snow. Santa has a sleigh. If you, um, when it snows, as kids, you want to get on a sledge and slide down the hill. Yeah. Uh, a rocket-powered silver toboggan, uh, his supersonic sleigh. Then one morning, he thought, uh, what is it? Then one morning, he thought, oh, why bother delivering presents by hand? Meaning, uh, why make the effort? Uh, When it could all be done online, busy parents will understand. We're lucky to live in a digital age where the aim is access and speed. SantaNet, I'll call the system. SantaFaction guaranteed. It was kind of a lame joke. Satisfaction, Santa faction Yeah, and that was years and years ago. Now this is the this is where things go a little bit more sort of what's the word for it? Melancholy, because the the the, the poem turns at this point. It becomes a bit more melancholy, and he's saying that the moment when Santa decided to change this was years ago, and basically Roger McGough is saying that now children have no conception of the original traditional things about Christmas. Uh, times that children barely know. Midnight Mass and mistletoe. Midnight Mass is obviously uh, when you uh, go and go to the church service in the church at midnight on Christmas Eve. Mistletoe is another plant. You we have holly, right? But mistletoe is another plant with green leaves and white berries and you hold mistletoe in the air and it's traditional to kiss under the mistletoe. Christmas carols, carols being songs, traditional songs that you sing at Christmas, like church songs probably, and candle glow, sleigh bells ringing across the snow, and Santa singing yo-ho-ho, for that was years and years ago, and that was years and years ago. So it kind of becomes a bit sad at the end, because he's kind of saying we've lost touch with those traditions. Mm, You can actually see a video of Roger McGough reading that poem, on the page for this episode. I would play it now, but I've already read it twice. So let's move on to the next one. Now, this next one, which is the third and final poem that we're going to look at in this episode, also written by Roger McGough, this Liverpool poet. Um, Now, this one is called The Trouble with Snowmen. And this one also starts out quite sweet. It's about a dad talking about snowmen to his son um it starts out quite sweet and nice but it, it kind of gets a bit dark but i think it's a brilliant poem even if it is quite sad i find it quite moving anyway let's see um i mean obviously it's a question of taste isn't it some of you might be like "Nah, i'm not my cup of tea look to be honest i prefer grand theft auto 5 i don't know i think it's possible to like both anyway it's, obviously it's not just grand theft auto 5 or poetry there are obviously many other possibilities. Shut up, Luke. Okay. So, the, the Trouble with Snowmen by Roger McGough. Here it is. Are you ready? The trouble with snowmen, said my father one year, is that they, they are no sooner made than they just disappear. I'll build you a snowman, and I'll build it to last. Add sand and cement, and then have it cast. And so every winter, he went on to explain you shall have a snowman be it sunshine or rain and that snowman still stands though my father is gone out there in the garden like an unmarked gravestone staring up at the house gross and misshapen as if waiting for something bad to happen for as the years pass and i grow older when summers seem short and winters colder The snowmen I envy, as I watch children play, are the ones that are made and then fade away. Ooh, I I like that a lot. Um, Let me go through it again. The trouble with snowmen, I mean, like the problem with snowmen, said my father one year, is that they are no sooner made than they just disappear. Meaning, like, as soon as they've been made, they disappear. Certainly in the UK anyway, because our snow doesn't usually hang around for very long. So the problem with snowmen is that, this is the father speaking, the problem with snowmen is, right, you, you build them and as soon as you've built them, they, they disappear. That's no good, is it? The dad is kind of missing the point of snowmen here, isn't he? That's not the point. The point of the snowman is it's the magic of the snowman, is that the snow arrives, you build the snowman, and then you kind of watch the snowman slowly disappear. That was always the kind of weird magic of it. Something strange And weird about that, right? That you build a snowman in the garden and then every day as the weather warms up the snowman melts and melts and melts until there's just like a blob on the floor. I always found that quite fascinating to watch as a child. So that's the point of the snowman. But the 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 father doesn't understand this and he's saying that's the problem with snowmen is that they, they don't last forever. They just disappear. And he says to the boy, I'll build you a snowman, and I'll build it to last and I'll add sand and cement, and I'll, then I'll have it cast. Sand and cement. Cement is like a sort of a, a, a stone powder. You add it to sand and water, and it creates a kind of, um, yeah, like a sort of a, um, a solid, uh, like a stone, like a, yeah, cement is actually the word for it. Um so I'll build it I'll build you a snowman and I'll make it last and I I'll add sand and cement and then have it cast. If you have something cast it's like you apply heat to it to make it really solid and and um yeah, solid. That'll do. And so every winter he went on to explain you shall have a snowman be it sunshine or rain. Again, he's missing the point because now we're going to have like a snowman made of rock in the garden. It's going to be there all year round and even when there's no snow you'll still have a snowman. Mm, he's kind of taking away the magic there and that snowman still stands the poet is saying though my father is gone out there in the garden like an unmarked gravestone that is a dark passage because suddenly we're in the present and the the boy is grown up at this point his father's gone I mean I don't know how I'm assuming that his father has passed away but the snowman is still there in the garden like an unmarked gravestone oh that's a that's a tough one like an unmarked gravestone it's just like this piece of stone in the garden just standing there staring up at the house gross and misshapen gross is like kind of disgusting misshapen is like out of shape standing standing staring at the house this snowman waiting for something bad to happen so this is i mean this is more like just the emotional resonance of the fact that the guy does he still live in the same house, but he's lost his father It's sad it's sad. I mean you know when you you have feelings of grief or something they they're not always clear crystal clear ideas instead they're just weird feelings like certain things can make you feel really sad, like you know like if you like a stone snowman in the garden can be a really sad thing it's going to get it's going to get more light-hearted. I promise this episode. Uh, For as the years passed and I grow older, when summers seem short and winters colder, which is, you know, it's true when you get older, the summers get shorter and shorter. Winters get colder and colder as you get more sensitive to the cold. The snowmen I envy as I watch children play are the ones that are made and then fade away. So the guy, for some reason, feels sort of jealous of the other children who play with their snowmen That then disappear after a certain amount of time. I can't, I don't understand really, I can't really put into words the sort of feelings that I get from that poem, but it's sad and therefore a good poem because good poems are meant to make you feel something. I like the way that's done in plain English, it's not really complicated language. Obviously, there's. Of course, there is um, a place for poetry that is written with extremely complex English and, you know, like the work of Shakespeare or Wordsworth or other other um, writers in the past. But I, I like that. I like that one from Roger McGough. Okay, let's move on. So that's the poetry section done. Let's move on to something different, something a bit disgusting. So we've had cynicism (laughs) we've had a bit of melancholy now let's have something a bit disgusting or is it maybe it's not disgusting we will see maybe it's just a a nice tradition maybe it's a good luck charm this is an odd christmas tradition from catalonia and it's the caganer. i think i'm saying that correctly the caganer. now those of you who live in this part of the world catalonia you'll know exactly what i'm talking about any listeners in Barcelona, for example, you'll know exactly what I'm talking about here. All right, so Catalonia, if you don't know, is a region in northwestern Spain. Um, I mean, that's that's probably a little bit um, controversial. It's in Spain that I'm not sure they want to be. But anyway, it's a, it's a region of Europe in northwestern Spain, Catalonia. Barcelona is the most famous city there. Some of you may be there right now. It's a lovely part of the world. Apparently, they have a slightly odd tradition there, the Caganer. Now, what's the Caganer? It's actually a little figurine, a little figure, like a small statue or something that you might put on display at Christmas time. It's a little figure of a man pooing on the floor. It's a man with his trousers around his ankles. He's bending down and he's doing a poo on the floor. And like... The, the the proper Kaganair um uh figurines actually have a poo as well like a curled out poo on the floor underneath his bum all right now this is um a, a a tradition in this part of the world that people display these little figurines of a guy with his trousers around his ankles doing a poo now you might think that's disgusting yuck You might think that, but actually it is a long-standing tradition in the region and is a symbol of good luck and also a symbol of renewal for the coming new year. Now, this is an article from a website called nowiknow.com. Now, nowiknow.com is actually brilliant. It's an email list. If you go to nowiknow.com, and I'm not advertising them, i just subscribe to the email list and and every day you get interesting little stories in your inbox. So if you want to do some reading in English every day, and if you want to be sure that the stuff you're reading is going to be interesting and well written, then you should subscribe to nowiknow.com. Go to nowiknow.com and then just enter your email address. And then every day you'll be sent an email written by one guy. It's one guy working on this project every single day, some fascinating and funny little story. And so this is from the archives of com, And it's called The Tradition of Christmas Poo in Catalonia. You know what I mean by poo, don't you? Yeah. Do I need to describe it? Do I? Need... We're going to have a few different words for poo, but it's when you, you know, we all do it. I'm sorry. To, I'm sorry to say, and I'm not sorry to say it really. I'm quite happy to, to say that we all do it. It's something that unites all of us, we are all united. We're all part of the big poo family at Christmas time. <laughs> I told you this was going to be a different little, different version of Christmas. Um, so, uh, the tradition of Christmas poo in Catalonia. I'm going to and I'm going to read the um, the story from nowiKnow.com. This was published in January 2012. Okay, you can read this by following the link on the uh, website. In 1997, South Park, do you know it, the TV show? South Park, the not-for-kids cartoon, made its debut, meaning it was first shown on television. The show focuses on the lives of four elementary school students, Stan, Kyle, Kenny and Cartman. Screw you guys, you know, Cartman. And it often crosses the line of good taste to make these kids' adventures into laugh-a-minute entertainment. Do you know South Park? You must do i love south park i think it's incredibly bad taste and often very offensive and i love it it's hilarious the first season of south park had a christmas episode and it's a good example it's it's as good of an example uh, as any so it's a good example of the of an episode of south park kyle one of the characters who is jewish is chosen to play joseph of nazareth in the school play every year I don't know about your countries but I mean the UK we it's you know a Christian country one of the traditions is that every year the school um this I don't know if this is still going on it probably is in most schools every year there is a Christmas nativity play which is where the kids do a performance of like the story of the birth of Jesus and there are different characters for example you've got Joseph of Nazareth you've got the you've got Mary you've got the wise men Uh, You've got shepherds and stuff like that. So anyway, in this Christmas episode of South Park, Kyle, who is in fact Jewish, is chosen to play Joseph of Nazareth in the school play. Kyle's parents object to this. They disagree with this. and They they object to this and the town's grown-ups, the adults in the town, get into a heated argument about the appropriateness of such performances at a public school. That like they get offended and they argue about, you know, religious performances at school. But Kyle has a solution. He wants to sing a song about Mr. Hankey, the Christmas Pooh, an anthropomorphized rod of faeces which wears a Santa hat. All right, you're following this? So the parents are all getting upset because of the religious nature of the school play. Uh, but Kyle, this little Jewish kid he's got a solution. He wants to sing a song about Mr. Hankey. Now you're thinking, who's Mr. Hankey? Well, if you've seen the show, you'll know. Howdy ho! He's that little character who says that. He he jumps out of the toilet, and he's a little poo with a Christmas hat on. And he goes, howdy ho, children! And uh, he is Mr. Hankey, the Christmas poo. He is an anthropomorphized rod of feces. If something is anthropomorphized, can you say that? anthropomorphology or anthropomorphized, an anthropomorphized poo. If something is anthropomorphized, it means it's made into, it's it's sort of made like a human. So, for example, Bugs Bunny is an anthropomorphized rabbit, okay? Mickey Mouse is an anthropomorphized mouse. Um, and uh, Mr. Hankey, the Christmas poo is an anthropomorphized poo, which wears a Santa hat which at this point only Kyle is aware of. So only Kyle is aware of Mr. Hankey. Maybe, maybe Kyle is just imagining the entire thing. We don't know. But Kyle argues that Mr. Hankey is the perfect compromise for this situation because he is non-denominational. He, he, you know, he's not, he doesn't belong to any particular religion. And so because of this, because he's universal, he is completely inoffensive, Right which is kind of true, isn't it, really, when you think about it? Okay, he's a poo with a Santa hat on, but there's no danger of him alienating any part of the community, because newsflash, we all do it. Um. So anyway, in the real world, obviously, Kyle would be wrong, because I don't think anyone would want to celebrate a Christmas poo, even though it does unite all of us I think in the real world That wouldn't really work But uh, You might disagree If you live in Catalonia Because if you live in Catalonia A manger a main, The manger This is like the, the, the place Where Jesus was born It's like a place In a um, uh, in a farm The manger is like a barn Where the animals uh, stay and, and so this is a manger It's like a very simple place so anyway, uh, um, it, it, by the way, it's very common uh, for like, Christian uh, families at Christmas to have a nativity scene. A nativity scene is um, like a little uh, thing that you might make yourself, and it's like a little manger and you have figurines for Mary and Joseph, figurines for the for the wise men and the shepherds, you have little uh, toy animals in there and you might have a little baby Jesus lying in the um uh lying in the manger, okay? Um so that's a nativity scene. It's very common in Christian households. We had one when I was a kid. Um we every Christmas we'd get it out and there it is, the nativity scene. Never really thought about it very much. Uh, but uh, there it is anyway so uh, in Catalonia a manger is not a bona fide nativity scene meaning it's not a genuine nativity scene unless it features a defecating figurine called a kaganer defecating is a it's just a formal word for pooing and feces by the way is the formal word for poo okay <laughs> merry christmas everyone <laughs> Um, So, in Catalonia, a manger, a nativity scene, is not a proper one unless there is a pooing figure, figurine, called a cagonaire. Now, the cagonaire is seen, uh, as seen in the example pictured above. And you can see a picture of the little guy with his trousers around his ankles doing a poo. Um, The figurine is squatting with his pants down around his ankles with a pile of poop. Poop is what they say in American English. In British English, it's just poo. Important language. So, uh, as tradition dictates, the Caganer is to be placed somewhere in the nativity scene, but not in obvious view, All right? So, the Caganer might be like hidden around a corner or behind like a, a wooden post or something, but he is there, but he's not, he's not in the centre of the thing. He's just like in the background. But even if slightly hidden, for many Catalans, the Caganer is a requisite element to the scene, a required element in the scene in Catalonia. The first one apparently appeared in the 16th or 17th century but the reasons why are unknown we think there are many theories as to the kaganer's meaning and no consensus one line of thought suggests that the Kaganair is fertilizing the scene so it's, it's not uncommon to see a Kaganer in some sort of scene. And the idea is that it's a, maybe a sort of an old, very old idea that because the guy is doing a poo on the ground, he's actually fertilising the, the soil, right? Which is a sort of a symbol of renewal, that we fertilise the soil, which allows the soil to become rich. And then that allows the soil to produce crops for the new year. So it's a symbol of renewal, Another theory holds that the Caganer is a representation of humanity's basic equality. After all, everybody poos. Or perhaps the Caganer is simply a practical joke, memorialised over years of repetition. While most of Catalonia appreciates the Caganer, or in the case of the Catholic churches in the area, they tolerate the figurines, the city of Barcelona failed to include one, in its 2005 nativity scene, citing a new ordinance which barred relieving oneself in public. Apparently, public urination and defecation were a serious problem in Barcelona before 2005, and apparently the ordinance was controversial. Ah, okay, so there was a rule, a law that was made in 2005, which said you're not allowed to go to the toilet in public in this city anymore. That's it. No more pooing or peeing in the street. And some Barcelona Barcelonans were like you can't tell us t- we c- you can't tell us where to poo and where not to poo how dare you anyway there was some controversial new law to kind of clean up i don't know i don't know if, if that was a serious problem in barcelona i'm not making a comment about the relative cleanliness of barcelona i mean for god's sake i live in paris and uh, anyone who's spent any time here will know that it's not uncommon to see people urinating in the street here yes i'm sorry i'm sorry all those people in other parts of the world who have this rosy romantic view of paris well if you get here you will realize it's not all it's not all like amelie the movie some it's a bit of a it's a bit of a dirty place too sometimes anyway so uh, there was a new law in 2005 in barcelona that said no public toileting and because of that, the nativity scene that they had in the city didn't have a Caganere in it. (gasps) Uh, But then other people in the city got the last laugh, because not only did Barcelona reintroduce the Caganere in its 2006 nativity scene and its subsequent ones, but Barcelona is now home to a nearly 20-foot Caganere figurine, as you can see in the picture on the on the website on now i know and if you click on the picture it seems to be in some kind of like shopping center it looks like a shopping precinct there is a massive figurine of a guy in a santa hat with his trousers around his ankles and a nicely perfectly produced curled out poo on the floor and there's someone standing there having a look and it's like the the person is pretty much the same size as as the product that has been produced if you see what I mean. Okay. All right. There you go. Merry Christmas, everyone. (laughs) Especially to the residents of Barcelona. Well done. Well done, guys. So what about you? Uh, You might find that utterly disgusting and completely inappropriate. And fair enough. Fair enough. I'm not telling you otherwise. But I mean, you know, you can't argue with their local traditions, can you? No, of course you can't. All right, then. So what about you? Do you have any strange like traditions in your country or your area? Do you have any funny Christmas traditions or new Year traditions or just any weird traditions at all? Again, I understand that you might not celebrate Christmas, but you might maybe you do weird things at this time of year or things that other people don't do. Let us know in the comments section. I'd love to find out all about it. Um, and then finally, I told you that we would get an appearance from the Beatles. Well, here we go. Okay, now we're still on the Christmas theme, still on the Christmas theme, folks. Um, And we're going to, what I thought we'd do at the end here is listen to a couple of Beatles Christmas records. Okay, now the the Beatles Christmas records, you might be thinking, why are we going to listen to this, Luke? Well, it's because it's interesting, it's funny, it's charming and silly, and maybe you've never heard the Beatles speaking before. And if you've never heard the Beatles speaking, you really need to change that. You need to hear them talking. Obviously, this was a band that were around in the 1960s, which is decades ago. Uh, And, you know, I I don't live in the past or anything. I'm a big Beatles fan, but I'm not living in the past. I've got plenty of music that I'm into from the present day and stuff. But, you know, I can't deny I am a massive Beatles fan. And I, I don't expect everyone else in the world to be a huge Beatles fan too. But I think that you'll find... I mean, I think I would, I would expect that if you, for example, if, if you have anything in common with me, if you enjoy the stuff that I do on the podcast, which I hope that you do, otherwise you're just listening to this like, ah, I'm not enjoying this, but I must keep listening. Um, if you enjoy any of this, the output that I do, then maybe you're on the same wavelength as me and you might find that you enjoy listening to the Beatles too. And I don't just mean the music, but just them speaking and them just fooling around and being funny. So, uh, every year, the Beatles, in the 1960s, they recorded a Christmas message for their fans. Obviously, they were huge, right? A phenomenon. They had a fan club, and uh, every Christmas, they would record a Christmas message to their fans. The message was recorded and distributed to members of the Beatles fan club on floppy seven-inch flexi-discs, not really vinyl. It was kind of plastic or something. So these floppy records, they weren't proper vinyl. They were bendy. But you could kind of, So they were, they could be put in envelopes and posted to fans everywhere. And the fans would get the Christmas record and it'd be like this floppy record. And you'd stick it on the record player and listen to the Beatles talking to you. This is in the days before we had email, social networking, podcasts, anything like that. So this was amazing. This was really cool. If you were a member of the fan club, every Christmas you get this record and it's like a personal message from the Beatles to you. Now, my mum was a member of the fan club in the 1960s and she got these records in the post, I think. I'm pretty sure she got them in the post. Anyway, um, she still had those records as James and I were growing up. My brother and I were growing up. We, you know, we used to you know, get all their records out and play them and stuff and um, we used to listen to these Beatles Christmas records as children too. We used to enjoy listening to them. I think James is now the owner of these records. He kind of um, commandeered a lot of my parents' vinyl. I sincerely hope that he's looking after these Christmas records by the Beatles, because they will be worth quite a lot of money one day. Already, I think they are. I've seen Beatles Christmas records on eBay for over £300. I mean, they are in some cases, very valuable, depending on which year. They started doing it in 1963 and they did it all the way up to 1969, uh, pretty much every year uh, of their career uh, in the Beatles. Um, and 300 pounds for one, and it's only like four minutes worth of, of record. So it's, that's, a, that's a lot. Anyway, so as well as being great songwriters, the Beatles were naturally very funny people they were quick-witted, they were silly, and they were surreal, you know, absurd. They, their their humour was just kind of crazy, hard to explain. Part of that, part of their humour is because they were from Liverpool, and Scousers, which is what we call people from Liverpool, a Scouser is someone from Liverpool, and Scouse is the, the name of the accent that they have. Scousers naturally are very witty people, Liverpool is known for having funny people. Uh, so it's partly because they came from Liverpool, but also partly because John, Paul, George and Ringo were talented and funny in their own right. They didn't take themselves seriously at all, which is one of the reasons that they were so charming. And you can see this in their films. They made a few films, but probably the more famous ones being like A Hard Day's Night and Help, which is them in their earlier Uh, the earlier part of their career being kind of funny and stuff on film you can see their humor in their films but really their humor came out best when they were just being spontaneous in interviews and in situations like this where they're in the studio reading out some comments that were written by someone else um maybe a member of staff from the record company so they so they were they're supposed to be reading out the messages that someone else has written for them And it's basically messages saying, thanks for all the gifts. Thanks for buying our records. They're supposed to be reading out these handwritten messages, but they just can't help fooling around. They're kind of just fooling around, joking around. They can't take it seriously, and the results are pretty funny. Their sense of humour is still fresh, I think, even though this was over 50 years ago. And it just shows how the Beatles were kind of ahead of their time. You get, like, comedy shows, British comedy shows like obviously you've got Monty Python and then later on other stuff like The Mighty Boosh or, or you know, um, just any of our wacky comedy stuff. The Beatles were on the ball with that kind of humour from day one. So I'm going to play you a couple of the Beatles records that I found on YouTube, the one from 1964 and then the one from 1965. Okay, So here are some things that you should look out for as you listen to this clip, we're going to listen to the 64 Beatles record first. Okay. So here are some things that you can notice. I'm just going to go run through some of the stuff first before you listen to it, to give you a chance to, to pick it up and and, and and get it basically. Okay. So first of all, they first, they seem to run towards the microphone and then run away again at the end. So there's kind of a sound effect of them running towards the, the, the microphone. The text that they are supposed to be reading was written by someone else and was written by hand so they have some trouble reading it. What was the word that we had before? Remember that Christmas story about the missing 5 pound note, do you remember? Uh, something that's difficult to read, it's illegible, that's right. And handwriting. So there it is, the the words those words are coming back now. So it seems that they are they're having trouble reading the handwriting. It's probably kind of a bit illegible. So they they keep making uh, mistakes sometimes. And there are also little ad-libs. An ad-lib is like an improvised comment. So there are a few little ad-libs here and there. John, for example, keeps saying it says here to show that he's reading someone else's words. So it'd be like, you know, we had a fantastic Christmas, it says here. So it says here just to kind of self-consciously showing... That he 's reading from a text, okay just, the whole thing is just tongue in cheek tongue in cheek is just means they 're not doing it seriously um, so you hear Paul thanking the fans he says, you know thanks for all the, thanks for all your your, your support I, I don't know where we'd be without you i don 't know where we'd be without you which is like a way of saying we you know we're very grateful to you i don't know where we would be without you so Paul's saying i don't know where we'd be without you and John instantly instantly says in the army perhaps um it's not going to be funny when i say it but it's just i mean it's not like super They weren't comedians they were just they were musicians but still you'll see when you listen to it so i don't know where we'd be without you and john's like in the army perhaps paul says i hope you've enjoyed listening to the records as we as much as we've enjoyed melting them i mean making them so he kind of um just twist you know he just changes it you expect him to say i hope you've enjoyed listening to the records as as much as we've enjoyed making them but instead he says melting them which is quite funny isn't it paul then says that's all except to wish you a happy christmas and a very new year um which is quite nice word play obviously normally it's a merry christmas and a happy new year or uh in this case it's uh a, a happy christmas and a very new year john takes the microphone and immediately starts coughing loudly and he says thanks all for buying my book because he wrote a book he wrote two books actually during his career in the beatles which were full of nonsense poetry and surrealism he he said "Uh, thanks all for buying my book and there's another one out pretty soon it says here showing that he's clearly reading from a text it'll be the usual rubbish but it won't cost much you see that's the bargain that we're going to strike up bit of vocab if you strike up a bargain it's like you make a deal and the deal apparently that they made was that the 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 book is full of the usual rubbish but it'll be cheap um so you know self-deprecating humor he says i write them in my spare time it says here and then paul chips in and says did you write this yourself and john says no no it's somebody's bad hand now hand is not is not a word i don't know where he got that word from but again, you expect him to say handwriting, but for some reason he says handrotter, which is kind of one of the things that John did. He just had a, a strange sense of humour and, and a way with words. No, no, it's somebody's bad handrotter. Thanks a lot, and a happy Christmas, and a merry goo year. Goo is like slime or mud or something. Like goo is like disgusting slime or mud. So thanks a lot, and happy Christmas, and a merry goo year. And George takes the microphone. You're going to hear their voices. They've got like while they all sound the sort of the same, they all sound like Beatles, you know, they've got that sort of Beatles voice thing going on. They've got the sort of laconic sounding voice like the Beatles, but they also all have their own unique voices. So Paul sort of sounds, you know, more like this. Thanks a lot for buying our records. And John sounds, John's got more of a nasal voice. And you'll see, you'll see that they've got their own voices. And George says, I'd like to thank you for going to see the film. So one of the films they made, and he says, "Spect a lot of you saw it more than once." Spect is I expect, uh, but he, for some reason, he says, "Spect a lot of saw, a lot of you saw it more than once." We had a quiet time making it, and in fact, George misreads the text and corrects himself, and he says, "Actually, we didn't. We had a great time making it." So it actually said great, but he read quiet by mistake. The next one should be completely different. And at this point, he goes into a strong Liverpool accent. And he says, this time it's going to be in colour. And immediately, John says, green. (laughs) So obviously, if, if a film is going to be in colour, it means it's going to be in all the colours. But John chips in with, you know, green. This time it's going to be in colour, green. Imagine if the film was just in green, that would be pretty good. And then Ringo takes the microphone, and and when Ringo speaks, it's just funny. I can't explain why. I think it's just the way he delivers these pre-written lines in a slightly awkward and sweet manner. It's just Ringo being Ringo. While he's speaking, someone drops something in the background. You hear a kind of a crashing sound in the background, and he says, who's dropping that? It's just like a a moment of him being natural. Who's dropping that? They were natural and never cheesy, never contrived, and uh, that was... That was very different at the time. One of the things about the Beatles in the way that they were groundbreaking is that they were just so natural and their humour was just so uncontrived and natural. They were very real in a very formal world of show business. And Ringo says, those airport receptions knocked us out, man. Great. If something knocks you out, obviously you can be knocked out by a, in, a, in a boxing match, like boom, and you get hit and you, you lose consciousness. But also... If something knocks you out, it means it amazes you and surprises you. Like, wow. So the airport receptions, because when they arrived at airports the fans would go wild and there'd be huge crowds of fans at the airports cheering and and waiting for them. For example, when they arrived in Australia in 1964, it had been a couple of years that they'd been releasing records. So they were hugely famous in Australia and the Australians had been like trying to persuade them to come for ages and they finally came to Australia. And, you know, the reception that they received there was like the, the biggest reception that anyone had ever received at the airport. Um... And so at the end, they then start singing and they break into a rendition of a song called Oh, Can You Wash Your Father's Shirt? Oh, Can You Wash It Clean? Um, <laughs> oh, Can You Wash Your Father's Shirt? Oh, Can You Wash It Clean? Which I think is probably some old traditional song that people used to sing. And then they run away at the end again. All right, so now I've explained that to you. I'll let you listen to the Beatles Christmas record from 1964. I hope you enjoy it. And then we'll listen to the one from 1965. Here we go.
0: Hello, everybody. This is Paul, and I'd just like to thank you all for buying our records during the past year. We know you've been buying them because the sales have been very good, you see. Don't know where we'd be without you, really, though. In the army, perhaps. Oh, we hope you've enjoyed listening to the records <laughs> as much as we've enjoyed melting them. <laughs> no, 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 that's wrong. Making them. We're in number two studio at the moment at EMI, taping this little message for you.
2: Yes, we are. It's we
0: are indeed. I just thought I'd make it. The... This is the same studio we've used all along. Since the old days of "Love Me Do," so many years ago it seems. Oh, those
2: are the, the days. <laughs> well, it's that's gone, about
0: man. all I think, <laughs> except <laughs> to wish you all a happy Christmas and a very new year. Now I'll pass you over to John. John, <coughs> John, John speaking. Thanks, all of you who bought me book. Thank you, folks, for buying it. It was very handy, and there's another one out pretty soon. It says here. Hope you will buy that too. It'll be the usual rubbish, but it won't cost much. You see? That's the bargain we're going to strike up. I write them in my spare time, it says here. It's been a busy year. Did you write this yourself? No. It's somebody's bad hand It's been a busy year, Beetle One way and another, but it's been a great year. Two. <laughs> you fans have seen to that. Page two. <laughs> Thanks a lot, folks, and a happy uh, Christmas and a Melly Gouya. Crimble maybe, and i hand you to George, who will speak to you... NOW! Thank you, John, thank you. Hi there! I'd like to thank all of you for going to see the film. Spect a lot of you saw it more than once. I did. Did you? So did I. Thanks anyway, because it makes us very pleased, you know. We had a quiet time making it. (laughs) Actually, we didn't. We had a great time making it, and we're glad it turned out okay. The next one should be completely different. We start shooting it in February. This time, it's going to be in colour.
2: Green.
0: It'll be a big laugh, we hope. Well, we'll <laughs> uh, uh, Big laugh. Uh, uh, uh. Yeah, Bean it'll be a, a big laugh. You were Megan? And we may see all of you soon. Hope so. Anyway, all the best in Happy New Year and a happy Christmas. And here's Ringo. Thanks,
2: George. Ringo, yeah? Well, the others have thanked you for the discs and John's book and for everything... Oh no, for enjoying the film. I'd like to thank you just for being fans. It's been a funny year, you know. <laughs> One minute we're in England, next we're away. Expect you're wondering where we've been. Sorry. So Well, Beetle people. <laughs> <laughs>
0: <laughs> we've been, right.
2: been to Australia and America and New Zealand dropping that? New Zealand. And Australia. And New Zealand. Is that New Zealand? <laughs> so by. much travelling. But you've stayed loyal. Haven't you? Anyway, those airport receptions knocked us out, man. Great. Take. Well, that's about it from me. I'd just like to say all the best for Christmas and a happy new year. That's about a can you wash it on. Oh, yes, it clean. Oh, can you wash your father's hair? Can you wash it clean? Oh, can you wash your father's hair? Can you wash
0: it clean? Christmas! Well, happy Christmas! Happy, happy Christmas! Christmas! all
1: right i hope you enjoyed that it's just fun because they're obviously having a great time and that's infectious isn't it i mean it's i think it's good for you i genuinely believe it's good for you to listen to that i mean for me it makes me feel good just the sort of fun that they're having is infectious and there's nothing wrong with that let's listen to another one okay luke all right So this is the the next one from 1965, so a year later. Here are some more things to listen out for. So first of all, check out the nice crackling vinyl sound. You know the sound of vinyl. The lovely crackling vinyl sound at the beginning. Then you've got Paul saying, I've got to thank everyone for all the presents this year. And John says, especially the chewed up pieces of chewing gum you know, a chewed up piece of chewing gum, like you take a piece of chewing gum from the packet, put it in your mouth, you chew it up, and then it's a chewed up piece of chewing gum. And I think they actually did receive this kind of thing. They received all sorts of weird gifts from their fans, probably bits of chewed up chewing gum. And he says, especially the chewed up pieces of chewing gum and the playing cards made out of knickers. All right, a playing card, you know, what a playing card is, you know, for, for playing poker or something um pl- playing cards made out of knickers knickers are underpants aren't they girls underpants now i'm not sure about that they probably did receive like homemade playing cards and stuff they would have received a lot of homemade gifts from their fans maybe they received some knickers in the post too i wouldn't be surprised um i don't know if they received playing cards made out of knickers but again this is just john with his uh weird sense of humor and then john in a creepy voice says on behalf of george and i i'd just like to thank you for and then it's inaudible you can't hear what he's actually saying on behalf of george and i i'd just like to thank you for and paul says to ringo well ringo what have you what have we done this year and ringo immediately says well i I see you haven't shaved again i mean i can't explain that but there's just something funny about that well ringo what have we done this year well I, i see you haven't shaved again John starts singing a made-up song, I think it's an improvised song, in a strong Scottish accent with lyrics which are hard to understand, because sometimes Scottish people speak in a dialect that English people don't understand. So there's this strong Scottish song that John starts singing, I can't do it myself. John used to make up nonsense poetry and songs on the spot, that's one of the things he used to do. He had a surreal, absurd sense of humour. The band then go into a version of Old Lang Syne, which is a traditional Scots language poem written by George Burn- Burns, George Burns, the famous Scottish poet. So it's a poem and it's a song as well. So they suddenly start singing Old Lang Syne. It's a song which is sung in Scotland and many parts of the English speaking world, it says here, in order to celebrate New Year's Eve. The boys here do a kind of silly version of it, and they continue to make up silly nonsense as they carry on recording the christmas record this one the 1965 one is much more silly than the 1964 one it's as if the uh record company people or or whoever ran the fan club basically had just given up on writing messages for them and have just let them record any nonsense into the microphone which is great for us because it's just like basically they said okay you got five minutes we're going to switch on the microphone just thank the fans and just just do whatever you want, go. And so you've just got five minutes of improvised nonsense, basically. John improvises a song which sounds a bit like an Elvis record. Maybe Blue Christmas. I'll have a blue Christmas without you. And, El- and Ringo shouts, copyright, John, meaning that he can't sing that because it's protected by copyright. Paul then puts on a heavy working-class Liverpool accent and says, what are we going to do about, what is it, what does he say, what are we going to do that's out of copyright, what are we going to do that's out of copyright, and John replies in the same accent, because they used to do, the, they used to put on accents, they used to put on these strong Liverpool accents, because, you know, these are accents of, like, working-class guys that they would probably encounter in Liverpool, in the Liverpool days, what are we going to do that's out of copyright, and John replies, how about we all gather lilacs in an old brown shoe, How about we all gather lilacs or how about we all pick some flowers in an old brown shoe? Now, I've got no idea what he's talking about, but I just like the sound of the accent. Maybe this is just an old reference that I don't get or it's just John talking nonsense again. But I do like the way that they go into these different accents all the time. Apparently, they were always like this um including when recording their albums in the studio in fact it was it was their sense of humor that got them a, a recording contract with George Martin at EMI originally is it the it's the sense of humor that George Martin their producer noticed and and that's why he signed them he was actually more impressed by their general humor than their music at the beginning in the beginning um although they they later proved themselves in the music department, of course. So the boys do silly accents of of scousers and old people and weather reporters on the radio. They do a Bob Dylan impression at one point. See if you can notice that. John begins singing a made-up Christmas song and the lyrics end up becoming just weird noises and the others join in. So he starts like you know wishing you a merry christmas and I hope the christmas brings you do 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 so the the lyrics just kind of turn into weird noises and the others start doing it too john in a strong liverpool accent says this is johnny rhythm saying good night to yous and all yous bless what is it this is johnny rhythm saying good night to yous all and god bless yous cuz it um in liverpool they sort of say yous instead of you when they're talking about multiple people and Paul in the same accent says all right well eh, that's got it done then what are we gonna do now and George in the same accent he goes as he turned it off as he turned it off so listen for the way he says turned because that's like a, a really strong Liverpool accent not turned but turned as he turned it off which is the Liverpool accent exaggerated. And then it's either Paul or Ringo that you hear saying, have you turned it off, la? So la is a Scouse word meaning lad or mate. And then that's the end of their Christmas record for 1965. You might not hear absolutely every bit because I've broken it down and explained all of it there or most of it, but you can find the videos for these on the page and you can listen to them again if you want to pay close attention. I find and I think you'll find too is that more that I listen to these, the, more I, um, the, the, the better I get to know them and therefore the better I'm able to enjoy them. The first time you hear them, it just sounds like random madness. But when you start to understand it more, you can kind of pick up on the humour and just enjoy it more and more. So this is the Beatles Christmas record from 1965. And listen out for that nice vinyl crackle at the beginning.
2: All oh, my seems to so fall away.
0: Now it looks as though we're here to stay. I believe in yesterday.
2: Don't forget, Christmas is coming. Oh, that reminds me. Let's do a Christmas record. Let's do a Christmas record. Yeah, what should we say? That's um, a good idea. A we've bit. got to thank everyone. Remember to Thank yeah.
0: you. Thank you can't add a little too much because oh, you miss. Well thank
2: you, no, you, you, miss... well, you Johnny. It's been a nice to know you
0: got to thank everyone for all the presents this year Yes. And, uh, all for buying the records
2: yeah, especially the chewed up pieces of chewing gum and <coughs> the playing cards made out of knickers
0: on behalf of John and I George speaking, I'd like to thank you for all the Christmas cards and presents and birthday cards and presents and everything too as well on
2: behalf of George and I I'd just like to thank you for the Christmas present and all the rest of it thank you <laughs> well Ringo, what have we done this year? I see you haven't
0: shaved
2: again
0: <laughs> well, Ringo, what have we done this year? We've
2: done a lot of things this year, Paul.
0: Yes.
2: Well, we've been away.
0: Yeah. And like last that. year. <laughs> hey, we've come back already. Aye, we've we had a lot of back.
2: presents sent to us for our birthdays and Christmases. Yes, we'd like to thank you. We'd thank you, thank you for the presents and the cards. Thank you for the presents. Happy Christmas to you listeners, we're a Ukraine We belong to everybody, don't you nick you knew? Oh, we took the Jack McGregor upon his bunny hoe. Hack your bunny Christmas with a pound of Irish stew. Thank you, John. Down in the with the old black door, we got some, we got some. Down in the with the old black door, we got some, we got some. For for the sake of old lang For the sake of old lang my dear. For the sake of old lang syne. For the sake of old lang my dear. For the sake of old lang syne. One, one, two, or three. Well, for the sake of
0: old lang syne, that reminds me, Ringo. Yes. Last year, he was here. We was here. Around the same old mic, same studio, same
2: old guitar, same old faces. It's the same old song, but a different hey, meaning. Copyright, in... copyright Johnny. Copyright, can't right. say that.
0: Hey, yeah. Uh, all right, what are we going to do? What's out of copyright? Um, uh,
2: How should... about we'll get the lilacs in an old brown shoe? Uh, yes, that's out of copyright. But uh, let's play a request for all the boys and B A O R E. Yeah,
0: Yeah, all right. right. Why
2: should we play for them? Because they're some, We got some fans in the forces. Well, know? here in Munich, it's not quite as fine as it is in London. Well, Kenneth, the weather's, the weather's raining, raining here. It's not, not very good. Oh, it's not bad over here, but some,
0: you know, we've had a bit of rain
2: and all that. Yeah. Stay tuned in. It's five-way link-up. If you've enjoyed this program, tune to two nine three one four five six seven megacycles. If you can't find that, drop it.
0: Gita. Be a Be a Front China, in Vietnam, and China, China. Well, that looks as though it's about it for this well, year. Well, that should cover Israel. we certainly tried our best to... Uh, please, everybody. Please, everybody. If we haven't done what we could have done, we've tried. And if you
2: haven't got yours, send Forbes in and get a free one.
0: And seeing as we gather round the Christmas microphone here in the studio, we might as well get together with a little Christmas message for you. Which goes something like, like this. this.
2: Christmas comes but once a year, but when it does, you know it's here because we've got... <laughs> Sing
0: See. A Christmas, Christmas comes but once a year, but when, when it does, it brings good cheer because
2: we've funny. got the. <laughs> a Christmas. Yesterday. Oh, Christmas! Yes, today you
0: are. All my troubles seem so far away. Now it looks as though the here to stay Oh, bless bless I Christmas, Christmas day Christmas day This Christmas year has turned day.
2: out to be a big year for us Christmas day One of our biggest years since we can remember Christmas day and We can remember a lot of big years Take take bugs
0: Christmas
2: Day. Christmas Day. And especially those abroad and those of you in BOR 2459783. Christmas Day.
0: There's
2: a lot of us here, one of which a lot of you there. And the weather's perfectly all right, thank you. And don't forget, the old and the new, some folks blue and some folks green. You take no notice of them, it's an all-white policy in this group.
0: Yesterday, all my troubles... Says all the here to, no, stay, to stay. Bless you all on Christmas Day.
2: day. But once a year, and when it comes, it brings good cheer.
0: So don't Christmas <laughs> Day. <laughs> <laughs> I'm about to buy I the man for my Christmas away. Day. All right, i it there, Charlie. <laughs> okay put the red lights off and this is johnny rhythm just saying good night to you all and god bless you <laughs> all right well uh, that's got it done then uh, what are we gonna do now has he turned it off i think he has have you that's turned the- it off hey it's basher
2: and they're still the same
0: boy. Turn it off basher
1: okay so that's the end of the 1965 beatles christmas record i hope you enjoyed that as much as i did because i enjoyed it a lot Um, I think we'll leave it on that note then Okay Thank you so much For listening to the podcast Uh, Thank you for being a listener Thank you for Paying attention Good luck with your English Uh, Merry Crimbo And have a very new year Alright Speak to you again in 2019 All the best from me And for now Goodbye Bye 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 (laughs) Bye Bye